This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 280, Dana Peicher on autoimmune hypnosis. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. So it goes without saying that we know that hypnosis and hypnotic suggestion and even hypnotic experiences have the ability to create some absolutely phenomenal changes in people's lives, sometimes over a gradual pace, sometimes very rapidly. And that's part of the backstory of Dana Peicher, who joins me on the program this week to talk about her own discoveries by overcoming an autoimmune disorder, as well as helping her clients in the same category, too where we're going to get into the specifics of how she started up her business, what specific techniques she makes use of in terms of helping her clients, and even an incredible conversation about some of the discoveries and some of the ways that some of the classic techniques that a lot of us know, she shares some rather interesting insights and different focal points about how we talk about those specific techniques. Even so, listen for this specific moment that rather than doing hypnotic age regression off of the entire issue, a big takeaway that really I've utilized ever since hearing her speak about it, and I've heard it referenced by others, but it kind of hit home when Dana talked about it, of doing the hypnotic regression off of one specific symptom, going that specifically laser focused, which then from there we can begin to generalize that change once something is in motion. So this is a really fascinating, really phenomenal conversation for someone out there, as we like to feature, is a hypnotic worker really doing the work of professional hypnosis and really highlighting the benefits that we can create in people's lives. You can head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com to find out exactly how to get in contact with Dana as she's putting together a number of programs and educational resources, which you're going to want to grab and definitely look into in terms of a resource to better Better help your clients as well. And while you're over there as well, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. That's where you can find the all-access pass to my hypnosis business training library. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, whether you're starting to start up your business or even scale up your business. And this is where I've published everything that I did to get the business up and running, as well as an ongoing chronicling of what's working right now, especially in our very changing world. You can check that out at hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Though as a bit of a free preview, check out hypnoformula.com. That's our hypnotic pricing formula workshop. Learn systems to better value your programs and create valuable systems to help your clients even better. That's faux free over at hypnoformula.com. And with that, here we go. Let's jump directly into this content-packed conversation. Episode number 280, Dana Peicher, on autoimmune hypnosis. So my first introduction into hypnosis, I never ever really encountered it, never came across my radar until it was a necessity. Mm-hmm. I think like most hypnotists probably, they they come across it in a defining moment and, and then fall in love with it. I was in a near fatal car accident about actually 10 years ago, a couple days ago was my 10 year anniversary. And I did mark the day in an and kind of like a ceremony. And what happened was I, after the accident, I had really, really bad post-traumatic stress. 
And the only resource I was given, you know, was medication and all that stuff. And in general, I just knew I needed therapy because 30 seconds after the accident, I was a whole other human. Hmm. I didn't recognize myself. So I, I sought out therapy, just traditional therapy. And, you know, the woman was very kind, very nice. I got along with her very well. But in fact, I was still a very traumatized shell of an individual. So I just left her because I was just seeking someone that was kind of like three steps ahead of me rather than, you know, me running circles around someone. And not just to say it like that, just kind of, I knew that I wasn't receiving the space I needed to and receive or something. It just wasn't working for me. Yeah. So I met a, a woman who survived cancer and story goes, she said, I would not be alive today were it not for this trauma therapist. I said, okay, well, trauma is my middle name. Who's this woman? So I ended up going to see her. And the first thing she said to me, literally the first thing out of her mouth is I'm a bit alternative. What do you think about that? <laughs> right? I'm like, whatever, you know? And she's like, I do this thing called hypnosis. I was like, okay, anything but that. <laughs> you know how that goes. Definitely, yeah. You're not touching me with the 10 foot pole, you know, but I ended up really, really liking her. And we didn't do it initially. We're just kind of having the general therapy and stuff like that. And then she brought it up again. And she said, you know, I think it's, I think it's time if you want to give this a, give this a shot. So I said, okay. And within the first session, I left feeling a bit lighter. And at that time, I didn't exactly know what she was doing. Now, you know, looking back, I do. And then within a month and a half, you know, she very much so cleaned up my trauma. Within the next month, my depression was pretty much out the window and then my anxiety. And so very, very quickly, she took this traumatized shell of a human and I was functioning again. After that, I didn't really think I'd be a hypnotist. It still wasn't on my radar. I just started reading everything. Yeah. Right? I just became fascinated. I was like, what is this stuff? <laughs> I just like, I couldn't get enough material to, to, to satisfy what I was, the, my curiosity about learning more and more. And then eventually, like what hypnosis does with a lot of people, it finds you again. And about a year later, I had another story where I came across it again. And afterwards, I was like, all right, this is for sure calling to me. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's a lot of little stories, but that's kind of how I first got introduced. Yeah. So then from that journey, I'd imagine there was probably training and then education of that. But what was that kind of transition to the, then go, this is something I want to share with other people. This is something I want to help them out as well. A hundred percent. It was a burning urgency. It's funny because when I first started my business, I didn't even think honestly of the fact that I was becoming a business owner. Or now I had to start getting out there as an entrepreneur. It wasn't that at all. It was like I had this little secret burning inside me. And most of all, it was just kind of me not being able to stop talking about it. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. had this urgency, this fire burning, because you know what? I had two directions to go in after my accident. I could have been a handicapped person the rest of my life, or I had this very, I guess, luck of the draw or miracle happened to me of finding the accurate person, the precise support that I needed. Because my thing was, is I knew who I was before the accident. So why can't I just be that person? Why am I being told now that that's not an option for me? Mm -hmm. So I was very stubborn because it actually didn't make sense to me. So when I first started, I had that burning within me and being like, you don't have to suffer. There are options. And this happens to be an incredibly potent technique to work with the mind. And when I first started, most people laughed at me. And now, you know, when I talk to people, obviously, if they come my way, they've seen a lecture, or they've seen something to be introduced to me and introduced to the work. But yeah, when I first started, I had zero support. 
it was just uh, something burning within me. That's the best best way I can say it. Well, I always go back to, we read books like Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, and he keeps talking about, quote, the burning desire. And it may be a different representation from one person to another, but there comes this moment of, dare I say, the almost evangelical quality of going, I have to tell people about this. Yeah. You know, and especially to have your own story, which even briefly, just to go back to some of the work that you had done from our, you know, standpoint of looking at it in terms of techniques and approaches, if you can kind of walk us through what some of that approach was that helped you to create those breakthroughs. Like what stands out back to those original sessions? You know, a number of things. I'll say it like this. First of all, her, she in particular, was a good match for me. Why? And I always say this to people when they're looking for someone to support them. It's like because she was as intense as I am, right? So her her ability to match me was spot on. Mm-hmm. And so from that place, first of all, I trusted her right? I trusted her and I trust the fact that I was in good hands and that I could, you know, just be at ease. And when it came to specific technique, you know, she did a lot of reframing within earlier memories that I had. We didn't even work around the accident so much. It was about a lot of little things that have happened to me in my past that kind of were spilling out of me because, you know, when you get a major, major hit, a major, major trauma, it's not really even about the big trauma. It's about the fact that there's like these little things that you can't handle anymore. Yeah. Right. And you just start vomiting all that life out. So she did a lot of regressive techniques, which is kind of how I first learned about regression. We didn't do any past life per se, which I don't do much either. I I do from time to time. I love past life, but majority of what we did was reframing a lot of the things that I have been through with new fresh light. Yeah. Is there an example that stands out? Yeah, a little personal, but you know, the actually the first thing we ever worked on was sexual trauma. And I did not even anticipate that that was something that that was an issue. But after the accident, things like that were kind of popping up to the surface. And that is something that she first wanted to tackle as that was kind of coming to the surface. So the first thing she did with that was kind of empower me around what had happened, Mm -hmm. taking me out of the vulnerability of kind of being a victim to that circumstance and a little bit painting, not a little bit, a lot, painting a different picture, going in within and allowing that to become more of an empowered vision rather than something that was just stagnant back there and rising to the surface. Yeah, which first of all, of course, thank you for sharing that. Though what I'd highlight is this kind of what, you know, can kind of bridge some of this conversation because we can look at a technique like regression and there's often the argument around, oh, there's no value of going back to the past. But here's an example where it does help to define the fact that no, we're not changing what happened in the story with regression. We're changing the repercussions, the response to it, everything around it, right? For sure. It was the most empowering and we went there quickly you know it was the most empowering notion that and again this was not something i thought about ever really or often barely but as it came to the surface you know it was very very crucial for me to not be a victim to that anymore yeah to change that story that now here's the survivor here's the advocate here's the hero of that story who's no longer having to hold on to that hurt yes 100% Awesome. 
I love that. I love that. It's a story that we've you know told many times over here on the program. So then that initial spark of being that person who then is out there telling the story of it and becoming that one person megaphone, what were some of the steps you then took in terms of then, well, let me ask you this first, what was sort of the career path? What was the focus of life up until the hypnosis appeared? So I was a reporter actually for a decade. Mm -hmm. Never thought I would leave that industry. I was quite good at what I was doing, but after the accident, you know, I was handicapped for a good six months I couldn't do that anymore. I started actually getting into voiceovers and just like other aspects of media production as I was in my recovery. And I went back to that. You know, I went back to, I basically started getting back into it. And it was, I was 50, when I started the hypnosis path, I was basically 50% doing, because everyone knew me locally or people in this field, in the production field, they knew me as that. So I, I didn't let that go intelligently so until I had more of a clientele in the hypnotic realm of work. And then once that was more established, I left working in production. Yeah. So basically letting it kind of incubate and become that pathway. And then once it was fully established, then it's where it becomes that obvious choice to go, oh, I can do this now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So then getting things up and running, like what were some of the strategies? There's a lot of people out there in that space where they have substantial training, yet the applications of getting out there and getting started tend to be a bit of a block for them. What were some of those steps that you were taking to get those, let's say, first hundred or so clients? So it's interesting. I had a correlating path as well that that coincided. So after the accident, I basically any dream that I wanted to have come to fruition I followed it, you know, so there was a book that was also burning within me that I completed after the accident where before the accident, it was like, who am I to write this book? I wrote a book for Holocaust education for young adults. And before the accident, it was like, who am I to write this book? And then after the accident, it's like, all right, this came to me. So I'm just going to follow through. So it's interesting because I had that segue. So what happened with that is I became a speaker. So I started getting invited to different I first started speaking in high schools and then I started getting into conferences. So a big pathway for me to get clients, even though I didn't really speak so much about hypnosis, was through these speaking engagements. Some were smaller, some were bigger, and I, I would speak for free. So that was a big avenue for getting leads. So were you there doing, and I'm appropriately leading with this question, you were there doing like the standard, here's what hypnosis is talk, or were you there providing something of value and then letting people move forward with you? What was that approach? Yeah, it was nothing. It's funny because it was not correlating to hypnosis. It was not at all. It was two parallel paths that just happened to be opening up at the same time, you know, nice. being a speaker and I was speaking about tolerance and, and Holocaust education. And by default, that was opening up a pathway for people to get to know me, mm -hmm. right? And clients and stuff like that. And in general, myself, I would, you know, I would always ask my dad. My dad is a very genius type uh, business guy. And I, I would say to him, I was like, how do I get this word out there the most? How do I get it out there? How do I get more and more clients? And he said, listen, he's like, if you're a service provider, he's like, people have to know you. Yes. Right? He's like, you can quote unquote, try all these tricks and stuff like that. But he's like, until people meet you, they can pick 50 other people. So he was a big advocate and kind of ingrained in me boots on the ground. Yeah. Right. Like there's no magic. 
It's just every single person I met. And again, this wasn't a business tactic in that sense. It was like more of a, um, that evangelical tactic. <laughs> this was more of me never being able to stop talking right. about it. That that is one of those elements that I think most people, you know, in our age, which we were we were nerding out on different automation strategies before we hit record <laughs> here. The, the, but for any of that to be effective, for like the website videos, for even hey, what are we doing right now? Appearing on a podcast, we've got to refine that messaging. Yes, we've got to be able to deliver that con- content with confidence, and it's we're going out and giving those live talks, or even you know now we have the avenue of things like Facebook Live or online webinars. But to have that opportunity where people get to meet us yeah. and they know us, and that's what you, you hear people in this industry or any industry, it's like, oh no, but someone down the road is doing a Groupon. What do I do? Someone else is charging less money. When you become that expert, when you are now that proven resource, there is no competition. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because also YouTube, YouTube mm-hmm. is my favorite platform. And well, let's just say it like this because I was in the media before. And I, I realized the power of YouTube, what I would do is just kind of nonchalantly, you know, I built a portfolio on YouTube. Any lecture I gave, I would record it. Anything, any little snippet I would put on YouTube. So I started building out a portfolio and a lot of what it is, nothing on YouTube is selling anything. Nothing on YouTube says, come to me for services. Mm-hmm. Everything is a portfolio of education because with hypnosis, it's different. I'm not selling t-shirts. Right. It's just a different market. And here's the thing. When you become a hypnotist and you're so passionate about this, one thing will follow the next and will follow the next thing. And even just speaking about it with passion and stuff like that, people are going to want to come to you. And like you said, eventually you become the expert and it doesn't happen overnight all of my building my business was very organic. Only recently, I'm eight years doing this. Only recently did I start paying for advertising. And that's because I'm doing more digital stuff. But as me, as the provider, it was always the ripple effect of I'm going to work with this person, I'm going to give them quality care. And then that's going to, you know, provide the next referral, the next referral. And I'm in my nature, though, I am I do have that entrepreneurial spirit. In my nature, I do have that drive. In my nature, I am kind of a hustler and a very outspoken person. So I think marrying those two is very important because you can build skill the rest of your life. And unless you're willing to be a little bit uncomfortable, willing to kind of put yourself out there, then you're kind of at a standstill. So the, that's the thing, you know, the, the hard part about opening a business as this in this incredible field of being a hypnotist is the willingness to run it as a business and follow that drive. And, and, and to have a successful practice, you kind of need the both. You don't kind of, you actually do need the both. Yeah. And there's so much inside of what you just said, which you just used a new word to talk about something that I've been saying for years. And thank you for saying it better in one word, uh, <laughs> that of portfolio. Yeah. That here's, I I can talk about how, you know, the clients who come to me, I ask them, why did you pick me? And they say, I've been watching your videos. 
And I love when I can ask which one, and they say as many as I could find. Exactly. Where it's a mixture of here's this old video of me talking to a local business group that's hosted by that group on their YouTube cha channel. Here's you know only about 280 podcasts over the last six years, but who's counting? Uh -huh. uh, but then little things which you never know, you know, from the media background you've got. I love that there are some people who go, oh, we just need a viral video, and the truth oh. is, you don't know which video is going to be the one that takes off. I'm sorry, Inez Simpson. I'm still squatting on number one spot for Esdale State, apparently on YouTube, uh, <laughs> which yeah. I shouldn't. That's like the last time I did it as a full demo. And I'm like, okay, really? But the clients who find that, and that's why they come in. So to build yeah. this resource where I, I was chatting, there's someone I'm doing some consulting with over in Australia, and we were chatting this morning, but the conversation was the fact that the top 10 keywords to land on my websites one of them is my name and why it's not that i've got name recognition now in this industry it's instead that the people check up on you so yeah. they're going to find the website they're going to do research and they find thank you for this word this portfolio of everything you've got out there exactly and it can be organic it can be bite size by bite size you know yes. and also yes before we when we first got on we were talking about a little tweak here a little tweak there so my business actually First of all, I'll say it like this. I don't think my business has become a business until the past two years. Mm -hmm. What is it that pivoted that for you? So here's the thing. When I first started, it was all about hypnosis and all about me being a practitioner yeah. and all about me not shutting my mouth. <laughs> That's what it was. Only until recently when I thank God, you know, I don't have to seek out clients anymore. They just come to me. It just happens. It's happening, happening, happening. I get a lot of requests, a lot of demand. I'm very grateful, right? But guess where that started? It was a little bite here, a little bite there, a little message there, and building that portfolio organically. So when I would give a speech for free, I would make sure that someone recorded it. Mm -hmm. And then I just would pop it on YouTube. You know, there's there are speeches I gave seven years ago that are on YouTube. And it's like, maybe they had a thousand views, but there's other things that have had many, many thousands. And you don't know. But when there's value, you know, when there's value and also when there's value in a resource that people are not exactly aware of and they're seeking answers and they want help, that is gold. The, the crossing of all those, because people want help, people are looking for other solutions. They don't want to be on medication anymore if they can be. They want to find their own internal empowerment and they, they want something else. You know, the paradigm is shifting. I think hypnosis is going to be mainstream very soon. And I think we're a lot closer to that than many people even in our industry would imagine. You know, the fact that I've I, I've been the one who's been putting out, yes, it's Virginia hypnosis and I'm looking for people who do you want to do hypnosis. And I'm very much leaning heavily on that word because there's a massive market that's yeah. looking for that. But let's kind of shift the uh, conversation here for a moment that I know that it's become one of your specialties to work with autoimmune disorders. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, so that's my passion. I work with many, many people, pretty much 90% of the people I work with. Let's, um, let's, let's define exactly what you mean by that. When, when we say autoimmune, what's that going to often include? So, so generally speaking, most people that come to me, they have some sort of nervous system dysfunction, uh, fibromyalgia, a lot of fatigue issues. Basically, majority of what I work with with people are nervous system disorders, right? I do work with people that have like gastritis and colitis, all the itises, mm -hmm. but 
because it's my own story, again, clients model your story. So because it's my own story of healing myself from fibromyalgia, healing myself from chronic fatigue, because that is my story, that's the clientele I see. Yes. They just, they're a match for me. So So let's just back to business for a quick moment to highlight something just came out of what you said. How do we pick out a specific niche market? We produce media that that community is looking for that positions us as that obvious resource. And that's what drives it. A hundred percent. And it's funny. It's actually interesting that you said, you know, you heavily lean on the word hypnosis. I have been told since I knew the word hypnosis, don't use that word, shy away, use this, water it down. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm a hypnotist. That is my first foot forward. And the fear of everyone surrounding me to use that word, I was like, no, no, no. I was like, first of all, again, yes, it's a differentiator. Yes. Which is huge. And I'm even more niche because I work with a specific population. And people, and because I'm vocal about it, people actually really don't know anywhere else to go except for me, Mm -hmm. you know, for better or for worse. So... Those three things are very, very crucial. And it's funny, I want to say one more thing about what you said about, you know, people coming for like something you posted years ago. A year ago, basically, was looking at Google Analytics. And again, I'm not even so techie. You know, I'll pop in every year, pretty much figuring out these interesting online tweaks. But I saw the number three thing that someone comes to my website for is an article I wrote years ago. Like, I don't even remember writing this. (laughs) I don't, I don't recall. And it was something like NLP for weight loss. Yeah. I don't remember writing it. Oh, those are some major keywords right there. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it was something I just posted on my website. And that's the third most reason why people come to see me. And I'm like, I forgot about this. Mm-hmm. So then back to the itises, talking about working with the auto Back to the itises. Yes. So, okay, so we all hold stress in our body right? And every human being on earth exhibits stress somehow, whether they want to numb it with some sort of addiction, food, drugs, alcohol, whatever that pain is that they're trying to numb, there's some sort of coping mechanism, right? So what I have found, because when I first started, I worked with smokers and weight loss, like majority of you know hypnotists when we get started. And it was kind of, there's many epiphanies, but it was through a number of different epiphanies. And also my own journey of like, if we're using hypnosis, for these really serious things like quitting smoking is a big deal it's not easy for people if you can do that with one two three four sessions why are we not like using this technique why are we not making the leap for the physical distress that is coming up and blaring in the body so what i have found is a lot of people with autoimmune it's the same thing it's the same mechanism there's some pain response emotionally that the body is trying to cope with. So I see it a lot like this, you know, let's say there's some grief or some trauma or something, you know, life that has happened. And most of, I'll put it like this, a lot of the the clients I work with, I have found are very highly sensitive people. They're people that just, you know, there are certain people that you can eat something, you can eat terribly and you don't feel it, you know, your, your structure is different. These people, they happen to feel things very, very, very deeply. So when they feel inflammation in their nervous system, it's because they're actually hypersensitive to that feeling in that ner- in their nervous system where someone else just might not be. They're just not 
of that sensory overload. Okay, so it happens to be there. There's, there's a correlation with this population as well that they just are sensory overload. So what do I do with them? Okay, so for example, again, they're also a lot of these people I work with are very highly successful, highly functional. So what happened? They might not be or majority of what I see is they're not processing their emotions mentally, right? They're not having obsessions, they're not having compulsions, their body is doing the heavy lifting for them. Okay, it's like the sponge, their body is synthesizing all this information, all this overload for them. So what do I do with them? It's actually quite simple. You know, I do a lot through regression and some other techniques, a lot of kind of energetic techniques that are just things I learned over the years, and I kind of infuse into the hypnosis, I help them unload their bucket. Okay, so if their nervous system is on overload, because their subconscious mind is just saturated with a lot of life experience that they just haven't processed through. When you actually give them an opportunity to process through these things, their body can finally stop. It's a new favorite term of mine, babysitting Mm -hmm. that emotional load. Their body can stop babysitting, you know, these other things and it can go back to regulating, you know, the nervous system. It can go back to regulating digestion its focus is elsewhere. It's in emergency mode. So a lot of what I do, I just call it emptying the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's a great metaphor of, again, looking back to if, for example, if regression is one of the models or even just simply reframing that letting go of those old stories, letting go of those things that have been holding back. Yeah. And I I view it as like, there's just this compilation over time of a very, very heavy file folder. And that heavy file folder is just existing. Mm -hmm. And people don't have a resource to empty that file folder to kind of file away in different files, some of that emotional load, emotional shock, a lot of nervous system shutdown is just shock on the body that never got processed. You know, a lot of people I work with have had car accidents, not everyone. You know, it's interesting, I was and I work with very, very intricate diseases as well that are mystery illnesses and stuff like that. And mostly through the same simple model, you know, I work through their emotional load. You know, we have the conversation of what's most pressing on you, overwhelm or or anything like that, clear out that bucket. And then I go hyper-specific. So for example, there was this guy I worked with who healthy his whole life. And then the past year, two years, he started having these insane like blackout headaches, migraines, but just something different, you know, just like he felt kind of like a creepy crawly in his head, just like weird nervous system stuff. So he started working with me, I started working with him. And I asked him, you know, I usually ask, was there a car accident? Was there some sort of anything? And he's like, No, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, athletic guy, just normal, whatever, normal life. And so what ends up happening, we do a regression. And when he was 12 years old, he was in a really, really bad boating accident. And his father was yelling at the top of his lungs, everyone's in chaos, and this guy hit his head. So what happened is we alleviated a lot of the emotional shock that was going on. We kind of just did some interesting reframing of what was happening in that moment. And he was able to exhibit relief, you know? Yeah. When you say relief, like what were the outcomes? He, after, I mean, I worked with him for about eight sessions, he felt, I would say, 85% better. Mm -hmm. He was back to functioning. He wasn't having blackouts anymore. And that was one fragment of one session within, you know, 
an eight session meeting, eight meetings with him. Yeah. Which kind of brings about the question of, so how are you working with people? Like, is it a setup of number of sessions or a specific approach? So, yeah, I kind of have my protocol, I, a, a little bit of the strategy that I do. If it's emotional load, I usually see people about a handful of times, maybe four to six times. If it's addictions or disease-oriented stuff, it's about eight times. And what I do, again, is I work to clear out the emotional load, and then I work very laser-specific. So, for example, if people have arthritis in their wrists, I will regress them around their wrists. If people have... Oh, no, um, we got to go back to that. <laughs> talk, tell I'll me tell about, about yeah, that. Expand on that about around a specific area, because that's fascinating. Yeah, it's great. What I do is I have them focus their awareness on where they hold their distress. So I call it the weak point. So for example, people with colitis or Crohn's or or gastritis, all those itises in, in that area of the body, they happen to just hold their stress there. So anytime any emotional stressor, any stimulus happens, what happens is in that area, they're starting to contract, they're starting to have their emotional response in that area. So people that have high blood pressure, low blood pressure, it's the same thing around their heart. That is where they're holding those reflections of memories. I call them reflections because again, with these people that are exhibiting this load in their body, a lot of people will have a little bit of a barrier of emotional stimulus and then response. But a lot of the people that I work with, that barrier is so frail, so thin, there actually is no barrier. So the moment they have an emotional response, immediately it reflects in their nervous system. Immediately there's a physiological response. So what I do, let's say, let's take for example, someone with gastritis, okay? So what I have them do is I'll, I'll bring them through a normal you know, relaxation process, some sort of deepener. And then I'll have them focus on that area, focus their complete awareness on that area. I have them expand the, the feeling, whether whatever it is, if it's a heaviness or whatever they're feeling internally, I expand that feeling and I regress them around that feeling. Okay. So for example, let's stick with the stomach. So let's say they're feeling, you know, a tightness in their stomach. So I say, okay, focus on that feeling. I'm going to count from one to five. That feeling is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we're going to go through that feeling to the other side, to the first time, the very first time you had emotions behind that feeling. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's hyper-specific around what's going on in their stomach. And from the regression side of things, I mean, there's always the argument and the conversation around whether it's something they remember or whether or not something was repressed. What do you tend to find is that, is it something that they do remember, but just see from a different perspective now? Yeah. And here's my thing with that. For me, I don't think it matters if they're imagining it mm -hmm. or if it's completely solidly real. Yeah. There's something being communicated in the mind that is causing distress. Which I love that statement because nearly any argument against any technique to talk to someone who uses it, we say the same things. <laughs> yeah. You know, that it's less than my phrasing is that, you know, this is less and less about the magnifying glass inspecting in a moment and looking for meaning. It's more so of pulling back almost like a slingshot so we can let go of whatever that old story or perception was so you don't have to live that way anymore. Exactly. So, so it's it's that insight that, you know, there's an earlier episode with Melissa Tears talking about memory reconsolidation, that it can't be a pure memory, the way the function, the mind works. 
So how, how do you address that if it is something that turns out to be metaphorical or combined experience? With uh, and imagine you're doing something as well to avoid around, you know, we're not doing forensic work here. So avoiding right. around the whole false memory conversation. Yeah. So here's the thing. I don't even care about the memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, not my agenda. Nice. My, my agenda is some sort of shock, some sort of load that is not processed. So again, we don't have to get there through aggression, but there's some communication somewhere that says, I have to shut down my nervous system. I have to, you know, short circuit these bodily experiences to keep me safe. So it's not exactly the memories that I care about. Yeah, it's not about the what, it's about the how do I not have to live this way anymore. Yeah, it's what's underneath the memory. What is that response, that load, that shock that we can just loosen up a little bit? And from there, your body knows what to do. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So then does this approach tend to carry over to other things that you tend to work with? Yeah, a hundred percent. And again, you know, majority of people that come to me do have more of these issues, but I, I don't really see addictions much anymore. I just, people just don't come to me for that anymore, but I do work a lot with trauma, sexual trauma. You know, it's, it's a gamut. It's, it's really, really the thing I actually just mostly don't work with right now is addictions. I just, I happen to not, I work with weight loss and emotional eating, but yeah, I use these techniques and listen, this is also a compilation of what I've learned being a product of it. Mm -hmm. So my story goes is I am a healthy, vital person. I owe my life to this work. So I don't feel as if I have to prove myself to myself And what I have found are, again, like we were talking about earlier about tweaks in your business, there's been tweaks in the way I work with people also because of insight I've had for something that has worked for me. And, you know, these little tiny micro, I'll tell you something funny, these micro things that I do that create the strategy of how I employ it. And I I actually mostly consider myself a detective. You know, I'm working with you, listening to you. And then employing this technique to bring whatever is unconscious into the consciousness to have resolution. So I snap a lot in my hypnosis and I actually get made fun of by a lot of my clients. They're like, why do you do that? You know, there's so many like little tiny things that I do that I get made fun of for, you know, like I have, everyone has their like little sayings or, or things that they do over and over and over. And actually, it's funny, I was working a couple months ago with this high powered lawyer in New York. And she was telling me she's like, Oh, my God, you're in my head. I'm like, what do you mean? She writes me this email. She's like, I was about to start this meeting. And everyone sits down, I'm standing up at the front of the thing. And I look at everyone. And I'm like, beautiful. Let's begin. Right? <laughs> so she racks up. She's like, got to get out of my head. I'm like, just dying laughing. So I snap a lot. And it's a tiny little technique that makes such a difference in regression because a lot of what, you know, people do in regression, they'll say on the count of three, you'll go there. But guess what? A lot of times um, people are not accessing what they want to access because the snap, what I have found, I go on the count of three, when I snap my fingers, you're going to go the first time, the very first time you had emotions around X, Y, Z. Okay. One, two, three. So what does that do? It just shocks the mind. Yeah. You probably know that. No, I love I love that because I think to Richard Nongard's whole talk around what is it? He goes, I was trained in Ericksonian hypnosis and I offend them that I still count backwards from five to one. 
which Erickson didn't do that. So you don't, it's like, well, no, but people expect hypnotists to do that. And let's put snapping yes. into, we crack the joke sometimes in a training. Oh wait, you can't snap. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't do hypnosis. I'm sorry. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. And I love that you say that as well. You know, I, which is not necessary. That was a joke. Yeah, yeah no, of course. We can uh, <laughs> there you go. And everyone has what they're good at. You know, I am not good at metaphors. I am not an Ericksonian hypnotist. I am in awe of people that that technique is in the forefront. My first mentor was an incredible conversational hypnotist. I was in awe of how brilliant he was, but that's not my strong point. And that's okay, you know, because every hypnotist that I know has a bit of a different flavor. Like of all the hypnotists I know in Florida, two of them might do regression. Like they don't. You know, like people just don't do this technique. This technique happens to be, and all the little nuances that I have found that make me a great regression practitioner are because that is the technique that I find I resonate the most with, that I find that I have received a hundred percent, especially when it comes to disease oriented things. Because again, when it comes to this overload of information in the body that people are not able to process. I don't think Ericksonian hypnosis can do much for this population. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, I think it goes back to the first thing you said. And I go back to who was it? Training I did years ago with Ron Esslinger up in Tennessee, where the question was, what's the most effective induction? And his response was, the one that you feel you do the best. Yeah. And I, I always go back to the story of it's like 2007 or 2008. And I had not opened up Virginia hypnosis for a good reason. I didn't live in Virginia yet. So uh -huh. um, would have been stupid to call it that when I lived in Maryland. But I had a moment where I met someone, just a chance encounter, and I'm there realizing, oh, wait, he's in New York City. And at the time, I'm recommending, oh, you want to quit smoking? Here's a couple of people I know up in that area. There's Melissa Tears. There's Michael Elner. Here's Mark Carlin. Call all three. Work with the one you feel you have the best connection with. Well, which one's the best? I uh -huh. think they're all equally good. It's a matter of which one do you resonate the most with. You're going to quit with all three of them. You know, exactly. you see the style that's going to be the fit. The same as I'd say one of my strengths is somewhere between the metaphorical, the direct, and also the extremely vague, where how can I say nothing but you hear exactly what you needed to hear inside of it. Which yeah. is the balance between being the Dave Elman mechanic, but the metaphorical Ericksonian, but it comes back to what's your approach? What do you deliver the best? And, and the same as you've said here a couple of times, here are the categories you work the best with, and that's what you focus on. Yeah. And you know, it's not just by luck. You've got this massive portfolio where people are finding it out. You're doing you know, presentations online, continuing that media drive. So on that note, where can people get in contact with you? How can they best find you? So I have my website. It's my name, D-A-N-N-A pycher.com. Uh, you can email me. You can find me on YouTube by the same name, Dana Peicher. Um, I also have courses online and stuff like that. And I mean, you can find me on social media. Everything's my name, Dana Peicher. I'm not so active on social media, but mostly I'm, I'm active more so on YouTube. Yeah. Always can feel free to email me. What yeah. are some of the, what are some of the courses you have? So I have digital courses. They are for weight loss. One is for autoimmune recovery, and another is emotional mastery. And I have smaller courses. One is for sugar addiction, and another is for stress relief. And I'm probably going to, my next thing is I'm going to do a course for 
practitioners when I get around to it of, of my technique as well, because I have been wanting to teach, as you know, for a long time, and I just haven't got around to it because I've been busy doing other things. But I more so want to kind of teach people that are already doing the work and kind of having an advanced class rather than start from beginning to end. But we'll see how that evolves. Excellent. This has been great having you on here and especially an inspiration of, you know, from your own story and how we put the work together, but also that very unique approach. Any final thoughts for the listeners out there? Yes. My always what I always end with, especially when it comes to if you're not feeling well and anything on your life path, I always say never take no for an answer. Even if you have to continue looking and searching and seeking, eventually you will find either the teacher you're looking for or the resources you're looking for or the next thing that is meant to happen on your life path. So having the vision in place, and especially as a business owner, when you have the vision in place and it's very focused and you really don't even have it in the back of your mind that it's not going to happen, you hold to that vision and these things do happen. Jason Lynette here once again, and as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, for sharing it on your social media streams and leaving your reviews online as well. Once again, check out the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com to find out the best ways to get in contact with Dana. And while you're there too, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com for the all-access pass to my hypnosis business training library, as well as a bit of a free preview over at Hypno formula.com. That's the hypnotic pricing formula workshop to learn valuable systems for creating outstanding programs to offer to your clients. Check that out and we'll see you on the inside. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. <laughs>